Last Sunday here, we looked at Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. And we're not going to be there today, but last week we were in Matthew 28. We experienced the resurrection. We experienced it with our heads, and we experienced it with our hearts. And you might remember we went through some of the alternative theories of the resurrection that some people believe in instead of the resurrection. And what I said was, in the end, you must believe something. You have to believe something. And if you believe that Jesus rose again, then that changes everything. That's what I said last week. And the takeaway was, if we truly encounter the risen king, we cannot remain the same. That was last week, okay? Tim Keller says it this way. He says, if Jesus rose from the dead, you have to accept all he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything he said? If Jesus rose from the dead, it changes everything. How does it change everything? As you think about that, how does Jesus' resurrection change everything? Well, I I would tell you this. It changes the future and it changes the present. So before we get into our text and we get into the sermon, just want you to acknowledge the resurrection of Jesus changes the future and it changes the present. It changes the future because the fact that Jesus rose again means that there's hope after this grave, after this world, right? There's hope in the life to come. So it changes the future. 1 Corinthians 15, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Jesus' resurrection was the first fruit. This is an agricultural term. It's, it's used to describe, you know, that first fruit, that first raspberry on the bush, that first flower on the tree. It's a sign that this is, there's more to come. At my house, you know, we just purchased a house. We're not in it very long, and it's springtime. So things are popping up, and you get to see, oh, that's what's around our house, like a bunch of dandelions. That's awesome. And, and also, uh, you know, there's some fruit bushes and things, and they haven't quite, uh, you know, come up yet. But trees, you know, I don't know a lot about this stuff, so I have to actually see the flower to know, oh, that's what this tree is going to look like. But that shows me, the very first bud showed me this is what the rest of the tree is going to look like. It's a first fruit. And Jesus' resurrection was the first of many resurrections to come. And it indicates what kind of resurrection we are going to have one day. What are our resurrected bodies going to be like one day? Now, if an analogy from botany doesn't affect you or move you, how about food? You know, in uh, the New Living Translation in Romans 8, it says that the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of the future glory that is to come, a foretaste. So when my wife's cooking, you know, she'll, she'll bring a spoon over and she'll say, Mark, taste this sauce. What does it need? Nine times out of ten, I say, absolutely nothing. It's awesome, you know? But I get a little taste of what the meal is going to be, right? The Holy Spirit right now is a foretaste of future glory. So it, the resurrection of Jesus Christ drastically changes the future. It has mammoth implications for the future, but we taste it even today. Listen to this verse, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. Amen? Now, this is probably too young of a congregation to get a really hearty amen, because, you know, the longer you live in this earth, the more you see your lowly body fall apart, right? And the more you long for that resurrection body one day, some of you are like, oh, my body's great, man. I'm in a perfect condition. (laughs) But you know what? That changes. And the longer we live, the more we realize, man, I long for that resurrection body one day. 
So we're talking about huge implications for the future, right? But here's the really cool thing, is that Jesus' resurrection means the future has invaded today. It means that what is to come is already experienced. It already is tasted today. And as we go through this kingdom series in Matthew, you've probably heard this phrase, the already not yet idea, right? Already we have things available to us, but not yet is it as it will be. Already not yet. Remember the story of Lazarus? Some of you know this, this account in Scripture. Lazarus, he was a friend of Jesus's, a very good friend. And he died while Jesus was away. So Jesus comes to the house more than three days after Lazarus is dead. He's in the tomb. And Jesus says to Martha and Mary, he says, Lazarus will live again. And what does Martha say? Martha says, Jesus, I know that one day in the future resurrection he will live. I know that. And Jesus' response is this. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Right now, I am the resurrection and the life. Not just the hope of the future resurrection. Right now, Jesus has taken the future and he's, he's brought it to the present. So this morning, we're going to focus on present hope, living hope. Not, not so much the future hope, which is there, but the present hope right now. How does Jesus' resurrection affect my life now? 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You notice that phrase, living hope? Why, why is the hope living? Because the Savior, Jesus, is living. So if the Savior is living, the hope is living. You see the parallel? Some of you here this morning, you need some hope. You do. You, you need some hope. You know, life has not turned out like you thought it would be. Life has had its bumps. It's had its challenges. And you're sitting here saying, yeah, I need some hope. I need some hope really bad. And reading the news doesn't really help, right? It just diminishes your hope. So you read about French terrorist attacks and a Taliban attack, you know, in Afghanistan and corruption of famous people. And on and on it goes. And so your hope starts to fade, but the resurrection doesn't just, prove hope, doesn't just provide hope for the future. One day it provides hope right now. It provides present living hope. So turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6, where we're going to see hope for today. New life in real life. Romans 6. So the New Testament, uh, the Bible is broken into the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you find the New Testament, we're talking about the sixth book of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. So find the book of Romans. Chapter 6, big number 6. We're going to be there in just a moment. And while you're turning, I ask you this question. Do you know what I mean when I say there's a difference between living and living? You know what I mean by that? There's a difference between living, you have a pulse, you're alive, and really living, experiencing and enjoying the, the small details of life. Experiencing Life. I, I drove for UPS for four years. I like to call myself a professional driver. My wife disagrees. But I, as I worked for UPS, Christmas time was the worst. Okay? It was the worst. It was so stressful. It sucked all the joy out of Christmas time for me. I remember just enduring, just got to get through it, just got to get through Christmas time, and then it'll be okay. I didn't enjoy life during that month. And I'll never forget the first Christmas after I was done working at UPS. I was like, 
You know, like it's Christmas time. I'm enjoying all the, the snow and, the, and all this stuff, right? And, and I had missed that. I was just living, and now I was living. There's a difference. I have daughters, and this past week I was struck by how they love to do these, like, imagination games. You know, they like to role play. And like, when I was a boy, we kind of like shot each other with Nerf arrows and played soccer. And, you know, it was just a little bit of imagination with our action figures. But they, they love to create these you know, worlds. So this week I got the chance to visit Lavo Lotions and like Bath and Body Works type place. They made their own business. They filled their own lotions. I got to go to the Reader's Corner Library and check out a book. Haven't read it. Probably won't. But the point is they have these little worlds and, and, I, and I sit there and I go, man, remember when life was like that? When you just enjoy the little things of life? And as a daddy, as a father, I, I thought to myself, I don't want to miss these, right? Like, it's so easy to just be like, I don't have time for lavo, okay? I got to do important things. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to just fast forward, and before I know it, they're out of the house. It goes fast, right? And spiritually speaking, it's the same thing. I don't want to just fast forward to the future, right? In heaven. I want to right now, I want to enjoy life. I want to enjoy the resurrection now. I don't want to just... Keep saying, just got to press through, just got to get through life, and then we'll be there. No, I want to enjoy life now. So what difference does the resurrection make today? We see that in Romans chapter 6. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 to start off. You'll only see verse 4 on the screen, I believe. But if you have the text, I'll be reading verses 1 through 4, Romans 6. Here's what God's Word says. Paul's writing this. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And now notice verse 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. The resurrection brings newness. That's the main thing here this morning. The resurrection brings newness. Now, how many of you like brand new stuff? You like to get brand new stuff, right? How about a brand new cell phone? It's like, ah, yeah, you know. Or brand new shoes. Or a brand new haircut, which could probably go either way, depending on how that goes. Brand new TV, right? Brand new mattress. Brand new car. Brand new house. I've seen some people decide that they think they need a brand new marriage. You know, if I just get that, that, that next person, I'll be okay. But what happens when that new spouse starts to annoy you, right? It's going to happen. What happens when that new car breaks down? What happens when that new phone starts to get slow? Well, you're in the same boat, right? Because you're still stuck with the same you, the same me. That hasn't changed. John Foreman has said it poetically in one of his songs. He said, Father time steals our days like a thief. There's no price that I wouldn't pay to get some relief. I've become an empty shell of a man I don't like so well. I'm a living, breathing hell. Come on and resurrect me. I tried to drown the pain with a friend of mine. It didn't seem to help. Ah, she's got a pretty face with her wedding lace, but I'm still waking up with myself. Unless we change, unless something fundamental changes, all the new stuff won't do much good. We need a different type of new. We need Romans 6, 4. 
We need to walk in the newness of life. So let's talk a little bit about this word newness. What does it mean? There's a couple different major words that are used for, that are translated new in our English Bibles. And one is neos, and that's like new in time, or it just happened, it's young. And then there's kainos, which is what is used here, and that refers to newness of a, of a whole different type. It's superior, it's impressive, it's better than the old, and it's different, it's new. And I was trying to think of a way to convey this because not everyone really loves Greek and cares about that. So here, here's what I, I think of. The way that men and women look at clothing. So when a man says, I need a new pair of shoes, usually, this is a stereotype, I know, but usually a man means I need new shoes. They're wearing out. But when a woman says, I don't have anything to wear, I need a new pair of shoes. What she means is I need a whole different type of shoe. I need a superior shoe. I need something better for this occasion. And I know that that could be guy or girl. Okay, but what I'm saying is there's a, there's a type of new that's just recent, and then there's a type of new that means I need something much better than what I have. And here in the text, when we read about the newness of life, it's talking about a newness that is superior, a newness that is different. Jesus' teaching was described as new in this way. People said about Jesus' teaching in Mark 1, they said, what is this, a new teaching with authority? And it wasn't just that they heard a new thing. Jesus said something new. It was that this was new. This was different. This was a teaching that they've never heard before. 2 Corinthians 5 uses this word. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Right? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So this newness of life, it's not a reboot, it's not a refresh, it's not a revamp, it's resurrection. It's a completely new thing. I don't know about you, but I hate fixing the same things over and over again. Anyone like that? You just, so in my last house, we had this cabinet and the doors kept being ripped off by my daughters, okay? I don't know how such cute little girls can do such damage, but I would put it on a day later, it would be off. Maybe three or four days at best, it'd be ripped off. I needed a whole new cabinet. The thing was just subpar. It wasn't working very well. My solution, take the door off, leave it off. That's what I did. Um, just didn't want to deal with it anymore. I, I get sick of patching the same stuff, fixing the same things. You ever seen a demolition of a house? You ever seen them implode a house? It's a pretty wild thing to, to watch. I remember being in Ocean City, New Jersey, and they had all these homes that are right next to each other, right? Like not much distance between them. And I remember seeing them in the process of demolishing one of them, imploding it. Fascinating to watch. Some people are trying to DIY their life, right? They're trying to fix it up a little bit, put some spackle on there, you know, maybe paint it up, redecorate. What they really need is they need to call Jesus in to level the thing. They need a resurrection. They need a complete change. They want Chip and Joanna Gaines, but they need Wreck-It Ralph, okay? And please don't walk out of here saying, oh, Mark said Jesus is Wreck-It Ralph. It's not what I said, okay? Although plot spoilers sacrificed at the end of that movie. But it's, it's, it's this. It needs to be demolished. It, it, look at this passage. We're talking about death and resurrection. We're not talking about DIY. We're not talking about just throw a little paint on it. Please don't think that Jesus can be an add-on, you know, a feature of your life. Just add a little more Jesus and you'll be okay. No, following Jesus means death to the old way of living. It means death to that way and it means resurrection. After death comes resurrection. After death of the old life comes new life. 
Christ was raised so that we today could experience newness of life. People often look at eternal life, I believe, the wrong way. I'm going to show a, a chart up here on the screen to you. Most people view eternal life like this. You're born at some point, and then if you're a Christian, somewhere along the, the way, you trusted in Christ. There's salvation. And then you die, and then there is eternal life. As if it's all future. But that's not correct. When Jesus was resurrected, he actually brought into this age the age to come. He brought the future now. His, his resurrection was, a, was the first light in a kingdom of darkness. And by faith in him, we now have the capacity to walk in newness of life now. Eternal life begins now. Resurrection is now for the believer. So more accurately, you could look at this other chart. It should be more like this. You're born, and at whatever point you trust in Jesus Christ, at the moment of salvation, eternal life begins. And then it just goes on and on. And yes, there's a marker of death. But that marker of death does nothing to break the continuity of eternal life. Praise the Lord. It is the moment of salvation forever. John Piper said this, and I was so blessed by this quote when I lost uh, somebody really dear to me. And for those of you who have lost a loved one recently, listen to this quote. If they, if they know Christ, this is true. No Christian dies ever. Death has become not a room into which you walk, not a dark field. It has become a door, and the door is paper thin. So micro thin, it has no dimension. You go through it without a millisecond in it. There will be no moment of death. You move from life to life with nothing in between. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that true that death for the believer is paper thin? It is nothing. Now it hurts us, those of us who are left, but it's life into life. Eternal life begins the moment of salvation. So how are we experiencing the resurrection right now? That's what we want to look at from this text. What do we mean by walking in newness? And as we read the context in Romans 6, we're going to see new power and new purpose. Okay, new power, new purpose. And this is good because many people are living powerless lives. They're living aimless lives lives and they need something different. They need something new. Romans 6, we already read 1 through 4. I want to start in verse 4 again and I want to read all the way through 14. So follow along with me. This is God's word. Romans 6 verse 4 says this, we were buried therefore with him, with Christ, by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We knew that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 7, For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. 
For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Again, look at verse 4, kind of our key verse here. Verse 4. There's a simile here. Did you see the simile? Just as. It connects Jesus' past resurrection in space and time that really happened with our present walk now. How does it do that? Well, the logic is like this. If we were united with Jesus in his death, then we are united with him in his resurrection. We're united with him in his death. We're united with him in his resurrection. So Good Friday, we celebrated the death of Christ. We mourned the death of Christ. But we, we consider the fact that our, we identify with Christ's death. We have union with him in his death. And then Easter, just a week ago, we celebrated the fact that we have union with Christ in his resurrection. Right? And so we are new. We've been made new. So let's talk a little bit about this newness. What do we mean? Newness of life. Well, new power. Verse 4 says, by the glory of the Father, Jesus was raised. Okay, by the glory of the Father. That word can mean majesty. It can mean uh, power, some translate it. And the reason that we would think it has to do with power is because of Paul's other writings. He has two other texts where he talks about the power that God showed when he resurrected Jesus from the dead. So Ephesians 1, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Colossians 2. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Here's the mind-blowing truth. Okay, you got to get this. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the exact same power that's available to us. That is powerful, Right? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that rolled the stone away, is the same power that's available to us. Another chart you'll see up on the screen here, and it just, it shows that the power of God, Jesus' resurrection, the same power is available to us as Christians. This is, this is amazing. I kept thinking this week of Jeremy Camp's song where he says, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks. The same power that calms a raging sea lives in us. It is a power that brings freedom. In our text, it talks about freedom from sin. Verse 6, last part of the verse, we're no longer enslaved to sin. Verse 7, the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, there's someone who died this past week, and he was, I believe, seeking freedom. His name is Aaron Hernandez. And those of you who follow sports, you know very well who Aaron Hernandez was. He was the former tight end of the New England Patriots. He had the world by the tail, right? Everything was going for this guy. He won a national championship at the University of Florida. He caught touchdowns from Tim Tebow. He was the youngest player on any roster in the NFL at one point. He caught touchdown passes from Tom Brady. But then in 2013, he was indicted, found guilty of murder. There were other allegations. He started to present himself as, a, as this bad boy, you know, this, this gangster. And he was in prison without the possibility of parole. And just this past week, he committed suicide by hanging. You probably heard about it on the news. What you might not have heard about was that he had written across his forehead in red letters, John 316. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever 
believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So he had the reference. He had his Bible open to that in the cell. Now I don't know and no one will probably ever know whether Aaron Hernandez had a prison cell conversion. But what we do know is he was a man who was seeking freedom. He wished for freedom. And not just physical freedom from prison. Of course that was true. But he was seeking freedom from guilt. Freedom of what had become of his life. Freedom from being called a murderer and a criminal. You know, we're not that different. When we're born, we're born into this world as sinners. And we have this need and this feeling for freedom. We feel the bondage of sin too. We feel this this desire, this need to be free, to be new. And Jesus' resurrection means freedom from that old way of life. That's what it means. To everyone who believes, to everyone who puts their trust, their faith in Jesus Christ, it means freedom from the old life. And that freedom is available right now, right now. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave, from the dead, is available within every believer. Think about this. You have a spiritual nuclear reactor inside of you. So powerful. Do you want to experience this power? Do you? Paul did. He said in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. That's what Paul said. I want to experience This power. He wasn't just talking in heaven one day. He was talking about right now in this life. So this resurrection provides new power that that, that frees us, that provides victory for us. You can change. You actually can change. I can change. And you might say, uh, Mark, you don't know me. I I can't change. I'll, I'll never change. I've been the same way I've always been, struggling with the same things. And you know what? You would be absolutely right if Jesus did not raise from the dead. You'd be correct. There is no way for you to change. But because Jesus rose again, there's this new resurrection power that's available. So you and I can change. And that's really good news because I'm like you. I'm still working my way through this Christian walk, trying to become more like Jesus Christ. And I need that resurrection power. Because there's days where we just say, I can't do it. We can't. But there's a resurrection power that's available. Without that power, though, it's not going to happen. This past week, I was working on a project at my house. I had a, a man from our church helping me. He actually builds houses for a living. So I called in the big guns for this. And I was using my little power drill. And it's great for a homeowner. It works okay. But I wasn't able to get the screws out of the deck because they were in there so tight. I didn't have the power, the torque, or whatever it is that I don't understand about a drill. It wasn't working. He brings over his tiny little one, smaller than mine, and he zips a couple screws out. And I'm like, "Mm, man, I needed that, right? I needed more power. And when we talk about this, you know, change and new life, it's going to take more than a homeowner's special to root sin out of our life. It just is. It's going to take this different kind of new, this different kind of power, the resurrection power. I want you to think about this as I ask you this question. Because some of you are sitting there going, man, I got some stuff, and I just don't think it's possible. Maybe you say, you know, Pastor Mark, I I, I struggle with alcohol dependency. If I'm honest, I got a problem. Well, I ask you, what is harder? You overcoming your alcohol dependency or God raising Jesus from the dead? Which is harder? You say to me, you know, you don't know how hard it is to live with my husband. Like, I'm trying to be submissive and sweet and show Christ, and it's impossible. It's impossible. What's harder, for God to change and transform you as a wife to your husband or for God to raise Jesus from the dead? 
You say, I, you know, you don't know my situation. I'm so overcome by lust and, and porn and I just, I, what's harder for God to free you from that or to raise Jesus from the dead? See, what God's doing in verse 4 is he's moving from harder to easier. He's saying, just as God raised Jesus from the dead, so you walk in newness of life. Harder to easier. Now, we usually work from easier to harder, right? I mean, I'm, I'm training because I'm running a race with some guys in this room, and uh, it's, I'm, I'm using this 10K program, and I'm, I didn't start off with 10K. Like, it starts with the easy, and it works its way up. That's how we operate. We start from easy and we work to hard. But, but see, God is doing something different here. He, he works from the, the opposite way, from the harder to the easier. He says, look at what I did. I raised Jesus from the dead. Can I not also change you? Harder to easier. Can he not break our pride and change our attitudes and, 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 and uproot these addictions? I love this word newness too because it, it carries the idea of always new. Right? It's God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness, Lamentations 3. It's always new. This power is always new. So you're saying, man, the same old, same old. I've been trying this and trying that. Yeah, but this power and this resurrection provides newness that is constantly new. New power and new purpose. I want you to look at this text and see the new purpose. Verse 6 says, no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 10 through 11 Jesus now lives to God. We are alive to God. We have a whole different purpose for living. Verse 12, we present ourselves to God. Why do we live? We live to God. We present ourselves to God. It reminds me of chapter 12 of Romans that says, we present our bodies as living sacrifices. Right? This is our purpose for living. It's a new purpose. It's different than the way of living without Christ. So through the resurrection, Jesus has given us a new purpose this springs from a new identity. So Romans 6, you look at this, we're talking about new identity here. We're talking about identification with Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. That gives us a new identity. And out of that new identity springs new purpose for living, new reason to be alive. Verse 6, our identity was a slave of sin. We lived to serve sin. You could also say we lived to serve self. There's a code word in our culture, and, I, and when I hear it, a lot of times I think to myself, what that really means is we're serving ourselves. And that's the word happiness. Like, I just want to be happy, right? I just want to find the person that makes me happy. I just want to find the person that, uh, the job that makes me happy. Nothing wrong with happiness if it comes in glorifying God. But when we seek our happiness, first and foremost, we're really serving ourselves. We're living as slaves to ourselves, slaves to sin, verse 6. But we no longer live for ourselves. According to this text, if you're in Christ because of the resurrection, you have a different purpose. You have a different reason for living altogether. Different reason for being married. A different reason for choosing a career as a young person. A different reason for your vocation. 2 Corinthians 5, look at this. This is all about new purpose, right? For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, that's Christ, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And then again, verse 17 of this same text, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 
What does new living look like? Verse 12 and following, we read that. Right, this is what it looks like in verse 12. Not letting sin reign in your life. Living differently. And you say, but wait, I thought the old man was dead. Wasn't the old man crucified with Christ? I mean, the text says that we were buried with him. Our old man died and we've resurrected. So what's this talk about still fighting sin? Well, that's real life, right? And I've, I've, I've often compared it to this. This is my best illustration for this concept. And that is phantom limb. You know, you've heard of people that lose a limb, right? And they still feel it. The Bible says very clearly that the old man has died, been crucified, has been cut off. But man, do you feel it sometimes, right? You feel it because we still live in the flesh. We still live in the flesh. When you become a Christian, you don't turn from human into android, right? That seems like it would be easier maybe. (laughs) Um, But we're still human. We're still in the flesh. We still have inclinations. We still have this pooling. And so Paul says in verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. There's still a fight. You're daily taking up your cross, as Paul says, daily dying to self, dying to the flesh. And again, this is this already not yet of the kingdom that I spoke about, right? Already not yet. Already, verse 4, we have this newness of life already. But we're not yet there where we will be, right? We're not yet to the point where we won't struggle with sin at all, where we won't fight it. It's already not yet. But when Paul says you can walk in newness of life, is he talking about future walk? No, he's talking about present walk. Right now, you can have this. You can walk in newness of life. But all the while, we kind of long for that day when we don't have to fight it anymore. And so as you struggle, Christian, as you face temptation, you can say to yourself, you know what? It's not always going to be like this. One day, I'm not going to fight this anymore. One day, I'll be perfect. The already Not yet. But right now we have a new purpose, right? Right now we have new power given to us to daily walk in newness. So we strive to obey Romans 6.12. Do not let sin reign in your bodies. Take up your cross daily, Jesus says. If you're letting sin reign in your life, it's one of two possibilities here. So if you'd say, yeah, you know what, Pastor Mark, I'll be honest, sin is kind of winning here. Sin is reigning. This area of my life, it's, I'm a slave to it. It's one or two reasons. Either you've never experienced the resurrection or fully embraced Easter for what it means, according to this text, dying with Christ and being raised again. And you're in this DIY mindset, right? I just got just to put a patch on it. I just got to just dress it up a little bit, add some Jesus And, you know, that's been your approach. Your approach is come to church, try to be a good person, and just hope, you know, hope that you'll be okay. You've never identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when you identify with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, what happens is a great exchange. Your sin placed on Jesus on the cross. His righteousness placed on you. See, that's what it means to identify with Jesus Christ. And so you can read a text like this, and say, yes, right, I, my, my old man is crucified with Christ. My sin is on him. And his righteousness is on me. And that means a new identity. That means I'm not just Mark. That means I have the righteousness of Christ. There's this great exchange that happens. And out of that new identity springs new purpose, a new reason for living, newness. And that might be some of you. Some of you might be in that boat. And, and I would encourage you, come talk to me. 
Come talk to, to one of us. We would love to talk with you about what this newness would look like. Stop DIYing it. Let God have full reign in your life. But there might be some other individuals here that are also letting sin reign in your life. Maybe you have forgotten your purpose. I believe that for any Christian in here who is letting sin reign, who is losing this battle and, and desires this newness but doesn't feel it, you have forgotten your purpose. You have forgotten your identity. You've forgotten Romans chapter 6, that your old man is dead and that you've been resurrected. So you need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that. You know that a business or an organization can get off track if they forget their purpose and their identity, right? I, I remember reading a while ago about uh, the brand Gap, which when I was in high school was like really popular, was at I think its peak in the 90s. And then ever since, it's kind of been on a downward trend. And I read an article two years ago that said it's because, this was an ad week, it says because Gap has lost its brand identity. They used to be known as effortlessly cool. That, that was their tagline. And, and you, you kind of got that. You were like, yeah, you watch the commercials. You're like, yeah, it's just. But they've lost that. And that's at least some opinions. And in our life, when we forget who we are in Christ, when we forget our purpose, it's not long before we're off track. It's not long before we don't feel that newness at all. So I want you to evaluate where you are this morning as we come to a close. I want you to not let today go by without doing some self-evaluation. You know, where am I? If, if you've listened to this sermon and you know that you've never experienced that power of the resurrection. You, you've just never experienced it. I mean, you come to church, it's kind of nice, but you've never experienced that power to see any life change. Today is a day of salvation. Come talk to us. We would love to share with you about the hope of the resurrection of Christ. Now, some of you, you know that your identity is in Christ. You, you just need to be reminded of that. You just need to take this scripture home and read it and meditate on the gospel of who you really are in Jesus Christ. That your old man is gone and that you need to take up your cross daily, walking in newness of life. So some of you, you're tired. You know, you're a Christian, but you're tired. You're tired of fighting. You're tired of struggling. And you just want to experience this newness that I'm talking about. Some of you are discouraged, maybe depressed. Some of you are battling an addiction. But remember, the power of the resurrection is available to you now, today. You don't just have to wait for future. I can't wait till I get to heaven, you know, and this will all be gone. Yeah, that'll be awesome. But right now, today, there is new life. There is power available. Now, you need to come get help. We can rally around you. If you have a, a, you're battling an addiction or something like that, you need brothers and sisters of Christ around you. You need to address it so that you can obey verse 12 and you can not let sin reign. We have been resurrected with Christ. New man, new woman, new child. And I go back to the meaning of this word newness, right? Not just recent, newness that is superior. Newness that is different. And man, we need that because if, if you've ever been in a situation where you are struggling and you're trying like the same old, same old, or maybe you've read a different book or you've gone to a different counselor, you've done everything you could, you need something different. You need newness, resurrection, newness. The resurrection of Jesus Christ brings new life now. Those are the three words I leave you with. New life now, right now. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. 
The gospel is something we meditate on constantly. So I'm going to pray, and as we do this, I just want you to do that heart evaluation. Where am I? Let's pray together. Oh, Father God, we come to you, and we are so thankful for your scriptures. We are so thankful for your word that gives us hope here, Lord. A lot of us are tired. A lot of people are are just getting by. They're just struggling, and what they need is the resurrection power. Lord, I pray that this would not just be something that is seems ethereal or unattainable or just future, God. This is now. Because of Jesus Christ, the future has come now. Thank you, God, for providing for us this power, Lord. If we can get this, this will change us. Lord, I pray that we'd walk out of here and we would be pleading for that power. We would be pleading for you to change us, asking you to make us new. Lord, may each person here experience the newness of the gospel. Lord, maybe some here never before have submitted to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. They're still trying to do it themselves. Lord, I pray that their heart would be challenged today, that they would give that up. They would let you make a new man in them. And Lord, I pray for every Christian here, Christians who are tired and Christians who just need new. Lord, I pray that they would understand this text, that it's available through Jesus Christ. We don't just need another technique, God. We need resurrection power, Lord. And I pray that you would move in this place, that you would move in our hearts, and that we would be people that are different, that are changed, and that actually change others because of what you're doing in us. Lord, we give you all the glory, and we thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.